Hallelujah. God bless you tonight. You may be seated. I am going to talk to you a little while tonight for those that may wonder I uh, first off I'm we have guests with us tonight and God bless you thank you for being here um, you may be off the hook tonight because I intend to address the congregation tonight and address the membership of our church secondly I want to say tonight that I want to speak to every member of this church from about 12 years old to about 92 years old. Look at your neighbor and tell them that means you. Look at your other neighbor and tell them that means me. I want to talk to us a little bit tonight because I feel that it is important that I do so. There are times that God speaks gently and there are times that God speaks so powerfully and forcefully that I know that I've heard from the Lord. I felt that I had heard from the Lord for the service this morning and it was a complete different direction than what I feel tonight. The message I preached tonight Sometimes I recognize and I know how the ending is going to turn. And sometimes I have no earthly idea what I'm getting myself into. And tonight may be one of those nights. But I want to speak tonight, and if you will afford me your undivided attention to just talk to you a little while. My spirit is stirred so deeply this week. I engaged an individual in conversation who announced their disapproval for organized religion. Let me break it down for you and make it very, very clear. I talked to some people this week that shared with me that they believe in God, they trust Jesus and all the above, but... They don't believe in the institution of the church. They don't believe in organized religion. Evidently, they must believe in disorganized religion. I've been part of a few churches I could send them to. It's cool among young people and those following my generation to talk about ditching institutional religion and starting a form of Christianity without the confines of the church. Many of you perhaps touched very closely this week to a second individual that I engaged in which in part of the chat it became very clear that there were those who share the same view of Christianity. They want religion without responsibility. Besides being unbiblical, such notions 
as churchless Christianity are unrealistic. We must have a church. It's immaturity, actually, I think, like the newly engaged couple who think that romance preserves the marriage. When the couple celebrating their golden anniversary know it's very clear that the institution of marriage preserves romance. But we live in an upside down world that is out of orbit and the chaos of this society has confused the minds of many of our young people and we are failing to recognize that without the God-given habit of corporate worship, and the God-given mandate of corporate accountability to a local assembly. We will not prove faithful over the long haul. Jesus Christ himself established the church. This is a church that he purchased with his own blood. He said to Peter, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The Apostle Paul spoke to Timothy in his first letter in the third chapter in the 15th verse and he said, if I tarry long or if I talk a little longer than you think I should, it's that thou mayest knowest how thou oughtest behavest thou selfest. In the house of God, which is the church of the living God. The pillar and ground of truth. Make no mistake about the church, this church and every church that is purchased by his blood. This is the house of the living God. This is the church of the living God. And you and I need the church. We need fewer people that are feel so destined to make a difference in the world in which they live And more people who before they become become concerned about changing their world, first of all, become concerned about being faithful where they are. I don't want to be misunderstood tonight, so let me reiterate the statement that I just made. I am not stating tonight that you and I should not attempt to change our world. I am not stating tonight that we should not be evangelists and revolutionaries, that we should not be trying to make a difference, but I am saying that before you can ever make a difference, you first are going to have to be proven faithful. My dream for this church is that we become a multitude of faithful 
people of God. Risk takers, yes. Dynamic in personality and reach, yes. Strong in evangelism, yes, but give me a child of God that truly wants to live for God above everything else. That doesn't have to be babied and pampered. Mm, Ain't nobody going to help me preach tonight. That doesn't have to be pushed and prodded to serve God. That doesn't have to be begged along to serve the Lord. That doesn't have to be promised position and prestige to serve God. But get something down in their spirit so deep that says, I cannot live without you. I can't live without you. You're what I need. You're all that I want. I've got to have God above everything. And my connection to God is through his church. You can have church in your living room. You can have church in your bedroom. You can have church out in the wilderness. Yes, you may have all the church that you want, but you cannot be saved without being connected to a local assembly. And anybody that tells you you can be saved on your own has never been in the word of God deep enough to know that you cannot forsake the assembling of yourselves together even so much the more as the day approaches the best churches are full of faithful people look at your neighbor and ask them the question are you faithful It's amazing how uncomfortable we all get when messages like faithfulness are the topic for the evening. Faithful people build strong churches that hold tenaciously to a vision that God has given that are obedient to the word of God, pursuing godliness and holiness with relentless and often unnoticed consistency. Faithful people are not always the most noticed people. Faithful people are not always the most recognized people. But can I shout out tonight to those faithful people that have stood through the test of time and have remained faithful in the good days and the bad days. Can I commend those tonight that have remained faithful to the house of God, that have been the ones that have returned. Oh, there's four men we love to preach about that tore up a roof and let a man down in to get his miracle. And we love to preach about miracles. And we love to preach about having the faith to tear up a roof. But the scripture does not even give time to address how many people showed up the next day to patch the hole that was torn in the roof. But I want you to know tonight it was faithful people like some that are sitting in this assembly with you that showed up without notice 
Christ that showed up without recognition, whose names were never mentioned in the scripture, that showed up to patch the hole that was torn in the roof that got all the attention of God and the miracle for somebody's life. I come to tell you that revival is good. Evangelists are good. Great weekends like last weekend are awesome. But faithful people show up on Wednesday, show up on Sunday morning, show up on Sunday night, show up to prayer service, participate in altar call, participate in prayer services. Many in my generation, I fear, are prone to reach toward radicalism without the concept of faithfulness and follow-through being part of their vocabulary. We seem to have dreams of change in our world, but many of us have not yet proved ourselves faithful in too very much. We have hardly held steady jobs. Most have not successfully raised godly kids. I've been faithful with the biblical mandate of tithing and sacrificial giving. Failed to have prayer established in their lives. They're quick to criticize. They're quick to step aside when offended. Yet they feel empowered that they should be the key decision makers in the house of God. Give me faithful men and women. Give me faithful young people that don't have to live on the pastor's knee in order to be able to live for God. That doesn't have to be in revival service every night in order to be faithful to God. They can walk in the halls of schools where drugs are prevalent and say, I choose to be a child of God. Give me some young people that can stand against everything that is around them and say, I will stand out. I will be different. I'm a child of God. I will be faithful. Faithful young people become faithful young adults and become faithful families and become faithful elders and build faithful churches. Come on, Grandma and Grandpa. Come on, Mom and Dad. Don't be afraid to speak up to little Johnny and say we are going to be faithful. So many in my generation perhaps feel that we have all the answers and quickly find fault with a plodding gray-haired group that I'm quickly becoming part of. That was uncalled for, Brother Duggar, but I see you back there. If we're not careful, we will simply step aside from the process of developing faithfulness in our lives and in our homes and in our families. And we will develop a generation of conference goers that are willing to pay to get in the door but have no responsibility beyond that. Mm, I felt the unction of the Holy Ghost when I said that. We become professional Christians. 
We'll drop our 50 bucks in the offering plate every week, but we're not faithful in any other area of our life. Give me some people who are faithful in their daily walk with God. Give us a church, oh God, of people that are faithful in everything in their life. We expect the church to cater to us, to open doors for us, to meet our demands. And if we don't get it our way, we'll become a church-going terrorist. If you don't play Monopoly my way, we won't play. As great as it is to be involved in noble activities, we have become a generation of social Christians. I fear for some of the things that I'm seeing. I'm not in any way. We have those programs that I actually help develop and start in our church. Please don't take this message out of context tonight. I speak a word of warning to our congregation. But being social activist or a socially active Christian church is not exactly what God called us to be. Yes, let's be proactive. Let's be part of every march we can be part of to save the babies. Let's be part of every program that we can be part of to clean up our city. Let's be part of every program that we can to help the poor and the needy and the impoverished and the hurting. But above all of that, we have got to be a church that loves lost souls more than anything else. I may not be able to rake your leaves. I may not be able to furnish you a vehicle. And I may not be able to put food in your cupboard. But I can tell you about Jesus that can save your soul from a devil's hell. I came tonight to remind the church that above everything else we get involved in, our number one priority must be to reach our communities with this saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Take the whole world, give me Jesus. Take popularity, give me revival. We've got to reach our city at all costs. In the grand scheme of things, perhaps many of us are actually more John Marks than we are Apostle Pauls. And maybe that's why so many people are disengaged from the church in which they are a member of. We treat the church as if it is everybody else's responsibility. All I have to do is just show up. The reason is, 
is we have a very strong I personality. No, I didn't mean A, I meant I. Because it is all about me, mine, what I like, what I get, where I can be involved. And we miss the fact that the church was built around individuals who were selfless. Can I break it down today and tell you why? I believe so many people are members, but they are disengaged from the church. It's because we don't understand how to be part of the team. We want to lead, but we refuse to follow. I didn't think this was going to be popular. But Lord, help me because I feel like I'm pushing against a rock right now. We can only be part of what we're leading. We can't be part of anything that is being led. Because we're smarter than the pastor. Because we're wiser than the elders. Because we know more than what the foundational members of this church knew when they started it 50 years ago. And we're even smarter than Jesus Christ who teaches us the principle of servitude. And we want to bypass everything else and do it our way. And we have a fast food mentality that we want church our way, right away, now. They ought to make that a slogan, shouldn't they? And the reason that we are not part of teams is because we fail to recognize the benefit of supporting others and having others support us. Because there are times, Brother Danny, that I, do, I, I may be able to do it without your opinion. But I ask your opinion. Because there's going to be times that I need your opinion because I don't know what to do. There's times that I could do it without asking your help. But there's times that I can't do it without you. And the principle of teamwork teaches this. That whether I think I need you or not. I need to need you because the day will come when I need you and when I need you if I didn't need you on the time that I thought I didn't need you let me twist this all up for you now if I don't need you on the days that I think I've got it on my own then when I really need you I won't have any buy-in because I only need you when things are too difficult for me. And if we're going to build the church that God wants us to build and be the church that God wants us to be, we have to understand the importance of biblical teamwork 
of working together and understanding that we are laborers. We're not leaders together with Christ. We are laborers together with Christ. Meaning that he'll do some of the hard work for us and we have to do some of the hard work ourselves. And I can't do it on my own. But if one can put a thousand and two ten thousand, what would happen if 200 members, 250 members of Christian Life Church would link arms together and say, I need you like I need my own body. I need you like I need my own self. For the job that lays ahead of us is too great for me to be able to do on my own. Look at your neighbor and mean it when you say, I need you in my life. There's no room in the church for superstars. Pardon me, I haven't been this bold in a long time. But if you have a superstar mentality, you better go find yourself your own stage because Christian Life Church is going to start from this pulpit and the main office that we are going to be servants and leaders, that there's not a job too great or too small. I will serve and I will serve till Jesus comes. This is not going to be a superstar church. It doesn't matter how much tithing or offerings you give or pay. It doesn't matter what your last name is. Christian Life Church is going to be a group of team players that are labors together with Christ to do a work in this area, in this region of Indiana to reach our world. When death knocks on your door, it'll make somebody stand up like Sister Robin and look at me in the hospital. She didn't want to talk about how she was feeling. She said, God's brought me here. But pastor, when I get out of here, I got some people I'm going to reach. I got some people I'm going to win. There's some things I've got to do. Don't wait till God knocks on your door. Come on, let's reach our city. Let's do a work for God. Jesus, help me. The worst part of the I mentality is that when we get built up in ourself, we're very quickly bored with prayer. Because prayer is not about me. Worship seems like a waste of time because it's not about me, it's going to Him. Come on, preacher, preach to me. Let's not waste time in singing another song to Him. Sometimes I feel like laying this microphone down. My Lord, have mercy. If you didn't, I'm not even sure, Brother Corey, Brother Sam, whomever ran the sound. Last Friday night when Brother Scott Graham was here, I hope we recorded that. If we did, whomever needs to get the copy of it, let's get the tapes beginning to be ran, the CDs burned, the electronic copies, because I want every person in this church to have a copy. It not, it, it, this is going to be free of charge. I'm not asking you to buy anything, but I want you to get a copy of it. I want you to listen to it over and again in 10 years from now. I want you to still be listening to it because if we ever reach a point in which we feel like we can do it on our own and we don't need the river of God flowing through our church, God will turn his attention in another direction and leave us an island unto ourselves, and we will dry up and die and there will be nothing left 50 years from now. But we've got to keep the muck and the mire cleaned out of the river that we can have the flow of the spirit of God working in our church. 
Let me address the next issue. Some days living for God is not a supernatural experience. I'm sorry if I disappointed you. Some days following Jesus is pretty ordinary. It's just like everything else in life. Not every day is a miracle day. Daily discipleship is not new revelation each morning. But it is new mercies each morning. Every day is not embarking on a global transformation project. And every evening filled with angelic choirs visiting by our bedside. There are days, there are weeks, yes, there are even months that faithful people keep living for God. When they haven't even heard a whisper from heaven. They still show up to church. They still work the altars. They still do what they do because they are faithful. I agree it's possible that there are things in the church that may need to change. Certainly some areas of it does. But it's also possible that we have changed in some areas that are not for the better. It's possible that we no longer find joy in so great a salvation. Because I've noticed the difference in our response. When I preach a simple Acts 2.38 message and reach for the lost and we act bored through the entire message that the sinners don't even believe what I'm preaching because the church acts like that they've never heard anything that's bored them so much in their lifetime. Because the Acts 2.38 experience doesn't move us like it did when we were a new convert. We've moved so far away from it that it requires some earth-shattering message and such pressure that is laid upon the ministry to feel like that we have to produce a message that is conference quality on every service that we step into when the truth is as it is through the foolishness and the simplicity of the gospel and the foolishness of preaching that God has chosen to save our world. I'm coming tonight to remind us that we need to get rid of the mentality that I need to be fed. Christian Life Church is full of individuals that have had their belly so full of the word of God for the last 50 years of great leadership and great preaching and great evangelists and great special services that if we never heard another message preached, we've heard more than enough to make heaven. But I come tonight to tell you that we need to recognize that not every service has to be about me it's got to be about him and about reaching our world. We become cold to the same old message of the death, burial, and resurrection. We talk a lot about the spirit of holiness, but we really aren't willing to live in it. As a matter of fact, 
we don't take the church as anything that Christ purchased with his own blood. We want to still be part of the church and still perform in leadership positions and still do all the things in the church that we've always done and live however we want to live. This is a church that he purchased with his own blood. Don't get angry with the pastor when I say I've got to clean up the platform. Don't get angry with the pastor when I say I've got to clean up our leadership. Don't be angry with the pastor when I talk about our conversation, our words and certain things that we may be doing that is unpleasing to the Lord if we're going to serve in a leadership position. I am only trying to protect a church that he purchased with his own blood. For goodness sakes, can somebody get faithfulness enough down in their spirit that every time temptation comes that they'll look away to Calvary and say, he bled for me and he bled for this wonderful church I'm part of. I'm not going to take him back to the cross I'm not going to frustrate grace again God forgive me God walk with me let me walk with you Jesus but our services require a new song every service but we've lost the old faithful song of all just let me walk with you Jesus don't ever leave me alone for without you I would never never make heaven my home. The church is not an incidental plan. Give me a few more minutes to preach. The church is not an incidental part of God's plan. Jesus didn't invite people to join the church or to join a bandwagon of love and social acceptance. But he taught people how to live that changed their life, that called them out of sin. You can't be right with God and live in sin. And you can't be at odds with the church and pleasing God. Because when you get at odds with His bride, you're at odds with the groom. We've got to be in right relationship with the bride if we're going to be in right relationship with the groom. And if we're going to hear him say well done as his bride, we better make sure we're in right relationship with the groom. The Lord didn't add them to the church without saving them. And he didn't save them without adding them to the church. We need to fall in love with the bride all over again. If we truly love the church like we should, we will bear with her through her failings and endure with her through her struggles and cherish her as the beloved bride of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, if my preaching, my teaching, my personality or my dry sense of humor that I sometimes use on some of you, has ever offended you, please forgive me. I try to never take opportunity to poke at somebody, even if I know there are things in their life that is not right. I never want to use this sacred desk as an equalizer to be able to get back at you because I'm holding the microphone. 
I don't ever want to be guilty of offending somebody because of personality. But if the word of God offends you, it was intended by God to offend us. That it calls us into change and calls us into holiness and calls us into godliness and calls us into right relationship. God, keep offending me. Keep pouring it into me that I may change and be what he wants me to be. Whether you realize it or not, you need the church. You must have the church. You can't make it without the church. Here's the thing we must understand. This generation didn't build the church. And neither did the, 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 the former generation. Neither did the elders. Neither did our grandmas and grandpas. Jesus Christ himself said, I will build the church. And I present to you tonight a church that is still has some spots and wrinkles. But he's still building the church. And he said this was his church. And he would build this church. And he's still building the church. But don't ever be guilty of finding an opportunity to take a cheap shot at somebody that's doing their best to be faithful and live for God and serve God to try to give them a kapow and discourage them because of something that you get crossways in the church. You need the church and you need every member in the church. Come on, child of God. Understand that we're part of the body of Christ and we all need the church. You know how I know that this is such a glorious church? Because there are people with all sorts of personalities and backgrounds and preferences that work together for common goals. Folks with diversity and age differences unifying to reach the lost. Yes, there are things wrong with the church, but on the other hand, there's a lot wrong in the world. And the church on its very worst day is better than the world on its very best day. The church is our most valuable asset. It is a glorious church. It is an honorable church. It is the church triumphant. And this church has a glorious future. We are moving forward into a new season. I want every man, woman, boy, or girl to hear me clearly tonight when I say what I'm about to say to you. This season is calling for everybody. Look at your neighbor and tell them that means me. This season is calling for everybody to get involved with what God is doing in the church. This means whatever you can do, the church needs your help. This season will take real commitment. This season calls for our best time. This season will require unwavering faithfulness. And this season calls for our best unified efforts. Yes, the church is moving forward.
And over the next few weeks, you're going to hear some rumbling and you'll be summoned, many of you, to serve in different areas and you can expect to be called to serve on various teams and work in different areas and ask to volunteer and sign up and people say, I don't want to sign up. I don't want commit to commit. Exactly, there's our problem. There's a reason behind all of the things that we ask because we need to know if it's Tuesday night who we can expect to show up. Thursday night who we can expect to show up. When a team is called, we need to know that we have enough people to be able to move things forward. Over the next few weeks, we'll be summoned to serve. It doesn't matter your level of expertise. Your service is going to be valuable to the effort. I've heard the rumblings and I've heard different things that have been said, of course. I've even made my own few statements about what the next 18 months is going to look like. There goes my professional bass fishing career and my shot at the outdoor channel. Bucks Unlimited. This call isn't a short-term call or a call for just immediate assistance, but rather it's a clarion call to commitment for unwavering service until the job is finished. And together we can do this. United and only united can we accomplish this great task. Here is what I'm saying to you tonight. The task that is set before us. We had a wonderful groundbreaking last week. Appreciate all of you being there. Incredible crowd. I still haven't heard the numbers, but I heard somewhere upwards of around 275 people there last weekend. Amazing numbers. We had every chair we had set out and people still standing. An amazing crowd. Amazing turnout. It's wonderful. Great celebration. Let's do this. If we are going to do it, then it's going to require all of us to do this from 12 to 92. I doubt our bishop is going to be allowed on a scaffold 30 feet in the air with a hammer in hand. But bishop, I can't tell you how to, what it means to men and women that are laboring for you to pull up a chair while we're working. Just sit there and say, if y'all needed some assistance, I'll call somebody for you. I can't tell you the encouragement it means just for you to show up. Pastor, I don't know a whole lot about what I'm doing. I can't tell you how much it means just for you to show up and say, give me a broom, I'll sweep a floor. Let me run an errand. Let me do whatever I can. That's the kind of commitment I'm talking about and that's the kind of teamwork that I'm talking about. Not every day you're going to be the star of the show, but every day we need to be faithful to a commitment that we're going to build a church to make room for the revival and the growth that God is wanting to send Christian Life Church. God is still building His church and He's building it through His people. And the gates of hell 
shall not prevail against the church. Look at your neighbor and say, that's us. That's us. The gates of hell can't prevail against what God has called us to do. Don't get crossways with the church. Don't get offended at the church. It's God's church. It's a glorious church. I got to wrap this up. I got to close it tonight. This church that God is developing and designing and building in the city of Frankfurt. It's okay if we have some cool events. But I'm going to tell you as pastor, I'm not looking for a cool passive religion. I'm not interested in a casual laid back church. The problem with the come as you are religion of today is that they leave as they were. I'm not telling you that it's in your suit and tie or your frocks and frills and your nice designer purses. It's not in all of those things. But I am telling you that when it comes to our attitude, come as you are. If you can't be, if you can't go home and change after work, come to the house of God on Wednesday night. Be faithful. Don't get me wrong with what I'm preaching to you tonight. If you're able, put on your Sunday best and show up. That's awesome. That's wonderful. We're respecting God, the house of God. If Obama called and invited me to the White House, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get the best suit I have pressed. My wife might even make a trip to Dillard's or Macy's and get me a new tie. I'm going to stop by Nordstrom Rack. I'm going to leave looking the best I can. I'm going to have my shoes shined. I'm going to get me a little trim. And I'm going to walk in with confidence knowing that I have an opportunity to walk before the President of the United States. Because the office is the highest office in this wonderful country in which we live. And I respect the office. And I will do my best. When I come to church, let me bring clarity to why that I say let's do the best we can. Because we are coming before the present. No, we're coming before the King of Kings. And we're coming before the Lord of Lords. And I want to do my very best when I come before his presence to look my best, do my best, and be my best. But whatever you have to do, it's more important that you show up than how you show up. And so when we get here, we've got to turn praise on. We've got to turn worship on. We've got to let some prayer out. We've got to make this a house of worship. Let me finish what I'm saying. Cool, passive religion is not getting the job done. If you were here this morning... You heard me talk about a man that addressed me this week and asked me a question of what's different about our church. What's different about our church is a desire 
for red hot. Holy Ghost file. Passion filled. Anointed services with the power and presence of God meeting with us. And through the next several months of building project that we're going to be involved in, we must not allow our labor to affect our service. Our services must not waver. The harvest cannot wait until after we've got a building. We got to stay in revival. We got to stay focused. We've got to be faithful to the house of God in all things. I've had enough of this world. I want the church that will take me out of this world and a church that has a future that is out of this world. That's what we're trying to build here. And we're on a journey. And we're not going back. We celebrated last weekend. But it's the same faithfulness that built a church in 1972 and 3. 71, 2, 3, whatever it was. The same faithfulness of a lot of men and women that have passed on. And some elders that still remain that it's going to take for us to build a church. It's going to take us into the next 50 years of revival if the Lord tarries. And this whole message that I preached about, we cannot lose sight of heaven. Because if we take our eyes off of the prize, we'll forget what it's all about. And the Apostle Paul said, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which the Lord has prepared for him. John said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. I want to go and I want to take as many people as I possibly can with me. I want to be part of the church. I want to be in the church. This is God's church. I want you in the church. We need to make room for everybody we possibly can in the church when somebody says hey is there room for me absolutely come on get in the ship we're on our way to heaven we're going to make it together come on and be part of what God is doing God is still adding to the church and I want to close with this tonight because if you are not living where you should live and you are not living according to God's plan and God's way, I call you tonight and summons you tonight to get right with God. Get right with the church. If you are indifferent with, with the church, if you're indifferent with folks in the church, can I call you to repentance? Can I call you to getting right with God? If there's sin in your life, can I call you to adjusting and correcting and getting right with God? We entered in the beginning of this year with much prayer and fasting. My wife made a statement to me today that is so clear. 
and so true. She said, if we do most of our reading and most of our prayer and most of our fasting in the first 40 days of the year, and we forget about it for the other 325 days of the year, there's something wrong in relationship. We've got to be in relationship. God is calling us to faithful relationship. Not part-time companionship. Not a rendezvous experience every few weeks. Not, not a little talk with Jesus once in a while. But an all-out relationship with Him where that the hunger of God is so clear in us that we long after Him and reach for Him more than anything else. That the things of this world become strangely dim. Come on church, I'm calling us back to a place of repentance. Back, back to a place of preparation for the coming of His kingdom. I'm calling the church back to a point in a place where God can renew and refresh and restore us that God can work in us and that God can begin renewal in our lives come on ladies and gentlemen it's time to pray tonight it's time to come back to God and say restore unto me the joy of my salvation call me back to the place I once was with you God let the river let the river flow through my life let me be right with you God Hands are raised toward heaven all over this building. From the front to the back, would you just talk to the Lord here right now, right where you are? Would you just open your heart, open your mouth, and begin to call out to the Lord right now? Don't be ashamed and don't be afraid. God is calling the church tonight. He's got a big plan for us. He's got a big plan for our future. He's got a big plan for our future. When we stand before Him and we give an account for every thing and every word, at the conclusion, what crowns we receive will be of very little significance for we'll cast them at His feet. But above everything else, I just want to hear him say, Well done. Well done. Well done. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one's looking around tonight. I'm opening these altars. Thank you, guests, for bearing with me tonight as I preach to our local assembly. Thank you, moms and dads, for corralling the children tonight while I preach from our youth to our elders tonight. Respectfully tonight, I call for every person in this room, if you have been disengaged, if you have been uninvolved, if you have not been walking, if you've just been a member without participation, I'm calling you back. We need you on the team. The work we have to do in the future it's too great for any one of us or any few of us. It's going to take all of us. And often it's not God, it's not even people. It, has, it comes down to our relationship with God. Because when we're right with God, we'll be right with His bride. I'm calling us to right relationship tonight. The altars are open. No one's looking around. 
If you'd like to pray tonight, I'm opening these altars in the front of this building. Let's crowd in. Please don't block the aisleways where I feel there'll be many moving forward tonight. Don't stand in the aisleways. Press forward as far forward as you can. Let's all find a place to pray here for just a little. Let's press up as tight as we can tonight, making room for as many as possible. Finding a place to pray and talking to the Lord. I got to be right with God. I want my relationship right with Him. If there's sin in your life, get it out tonight. Repent over it. Let Him forgive you. Let Him restore you. Let Him renew you. Inconsistencies, get it out. Oh, Lord.